Greetings. My name is Stan Prager from the Regarp book blog, www.regarp.com. Today's podcast features my review of After the Apocalypse, America's Role in the World Transformed by Andrew Basevich. I often suffer pangs of guilt when a volume received through an early reviewer program languishes on the shelf unread for an extended period. Such was the case with the advanced reader's edition of After the Apocalypse, America's Role in the World Transformed by Andrew Basevich, had arrived in August 2021 and sat forsaken for an entire year until it finally fell off the top of my TBR list and onto my lap. While hardly deliberate, my delay was no doubt neglectful. But sometimes neglect can foster unexpected opportunities for evaluation. More on that later. First, a little about Andrew Basevich. A West Point graduate and platoon leader in Vietnam 1970-71, he went on to an Army career that spanned 23 years, including the Gulf War, retiring with the rank of Colonel. It is said his early retirement was due to being passed over for promotion after taking responsibility for an accidental explosion at a camp he commanded in Kuwait. He later became an academic, Professor Emeritus of International Relations and History at Boston University and one-time director of its Center for International Relations. He is now president and co-founder of the bipartisan think tank, the Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft. Deeply influenced by the theologian and ethicist Reinhold Niebuhr, Basevich was once tagged as a conservative Catholic historian, but he defies simple categorization, most often serving as an unlikely voice in the wilderness decrying America's endless wars. He has been a vocal, longtime critic of George W. Bush's doctrine of preventative war, most prominently manifested in the Iraqi conflict which he has rightly termed a catastrophic failure. He has also denounced the conceit of American exceptionalism, and chillingly notes that the reliance on an all-volunteer military force translates into the ongoing, almost anonymous sacrifice of our men and women for a nation that largely has no skin in the game. His own son, a young army lieutenant, was killed in Iraq in 2007. I have previously read three other Basevich works. As I noted in a review of one of these, His resume attaches to Basevich either enormous credibility or an axe to grind, or perhaps both. Still, as a scholar and gifted writer, he tends to be well worth the read. The apocalypse central to the title of this book takes aim at the chaos that engulfed 2020, spawned by the sum total of the toxic and divisive Trump presidency, the increasing death toll of the pandemic, an economy in free fall, mass demonstrations by Black Lives Matter proponents seeking long-denied social justice, and rapidly spreading wildfires that dramatically underscored the looming catastrophe of global climate change. Basevich takes this armload of calamities as a flashing red signal that the country is not only headed in the wrong direction, but likely off a kind of cliff if we do not immediately take stock and change course. He draws odd parallels with the 1940 collapse of the French army under the Nazi onslaught, which, echoing French historian Marc Bloch, he lays to utter incompetence and a failure of leadership at the very top. This then serves as a head-scratching segue into a long-winded polemic on national security and foreign policy that recycles familiar Basevich themes but offers little in the way of fresh analysis. This trajectory strikes as especially incongruent, given that the specific litany of woes besetting the nation that populate his opening narrative have, rarely indeed for the United States, almost nothing to do with the military or foreign affairs. If ever history was to manufacture an example of a failure of leadership, of course, it would be hard-pressed to come up with a better model than Donald Trump who drowned out the noise of a series of mounting crises with a deafening roar of self-serving hateful rhetoric directed at enemies real and imaginary, 
deliberately ignoring the threat of both coronavirus and climate change while stoking racial tensions. Bacevich gives him his due, noting that his ascent to the White House exposed gaping flaws in the American political system, his manifest contempt for the Constitution and the rule of law placing in jeopardy our democratic traditions. But while he hardly masks his contempt for Trump, Bacevich makes plain that there's plenty of blame to go around for political elites in both parties, and he takes no prisoners, landing a series of blows on George W. Bush, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, Joe Biden, and a host of other members of the Washington establishment that he holds accountable for fostering and maintaining the global post-Cold War American empire, responsible for the endless wars that he has long condemned. He credits Trump for urging a retreat from alliances and engagements, but faults the selfish motives of an America first predicated on isolationism. Bacevich instead envisions a more positive role for the United States in the international arena, one with its sword permanently sheathed. All this is heady stuff, and regardless of your politics, many readers will find themselves nodding their heads as Bacevich makes his case, outlining the many wrong-headed policy endeavors championed by Republicans and Democrats alike for a wobbly superpower clinging to an outdated and increasingly irrelevant sense of national identity that fails to align with the global realities of the 21st century. But then, as Bacevich looks to the future for alternatives, as he seeks to map out on paper the next new world order, he stumbles, and stumbles badly, something only truly evident in retrospect when viewing his point of view through the prism of the events that followed the release of After the Apocalypse in June 2021. Bacevich has little to add here to his long-standing condemnation of the U.S. occupation of Afghanistan, which after two long decades of failed attempts at nation-building came to an end with our messy withdrawal in August 2021, just shortly after this book's publication. President Biden was pilloried for the chaotic retreat, but while his administration could rightly be held to account for a failure to prepare for the worst, the elephant in that room in the Kabul airport where the ISIS-K suicide bomber blew himself up was certainly former President Trump, who brokered the deal to return Afghanistan to Taliban control. Biden, who plummeted in the polls due to outcomes he could do little to control, was disparaged much the same way Obama once was when he was held to blame for the subsequent turmoil in Iraq after affecting the withdrawal of U.S. forces agreed to by his predecessor, G.W. Bush. Once again, history rhymes. But the more salient point for those of us who share, as I do, Bacevich's anti-imperialism, is that getting out is ever more difficult than going in. But Bacevich has a great deal to say in After the Apocalypse about NATO, an alliance rooted in the past tense Cold War standoff that he pronounces counterproductive and obsolete. Bacevich disputes the long-held mythology of the so-called West, an artificial sentiment that has the United States and European nations bound together with common values of liberty, human rights, and democracy. Like Trump, who likely would have acted upon this had he been re-elected, Bacevich calls for an end to U.S. involvement with NATO. The United States and Europe have embarked on divergent paths, he argues, and that is as it should be. The Cold War is over. Relations with Russia and China are frosty, but entanglement in an alliance like NATO only fosters acrimony and fails to appropriately adapt our nation to the realities of the new millennium. It is an interesting if academic argument that was abruptly crushed under the weight of the treads of Russian tanks in the premeditated invasion of Ukraine, February 24, 2022. 
If some denied the echo of Hitler's 1938 Austrian Anschluss to Putin's 2014 annexation of Crimea, there was no mistaking the similarity of unprovoked attacks on Kiev and sister cities to the Nazi war machine's march on Poland in 1939. And yes, when Biden and French President Emmanuel Macron stood together to unite that so-called West against Russian belligerents, the memory of France's 1940 defeat was hardly out of mind. All of a sudden, NATO became less a theoretical construct and somewhat more of a safe haven against brutal militarism, wanton aggression, and the unapologetic war crimes that livestream on 21st century social media of streets littered with the bodies of civilians, many of them children. All of a sudden, NATO is pretty goddamn relevant. In all this, you could rightly argue against the wrong turns made after the dissolution of the USSR, of the failure of the West to allocate appropriate economic support for the heirs of the former Soviet Union, of how a pattern of NATO expansion both isolated and antagonized Russia. But there remains no legitimate defense for Putin's attempt to invade, besiege, and absorb a weaker neighbor, or at least a neighbor he perceived to be weaker, a misstep that could lead to his own undoing. Either way, the institution we call NATO turned out to be something to celebrate rather than deprecate. The fact that it is working exactly the way it was designed to work could turn out to be the real roadmap to the new world order that emerges in the aftermath of this crisis. We can only imagine the horrific alternatives had Trump won re-election. The U.S. out of NATO, Europe divided, Ukraine overrun and annexed, and perhaps even Putin feeded at a White House dinner. So far, without firing a shot, NATO has not only saved Ukraine, arguably it has saved the world as we know it, a world that extends well beyond whatever we might want to consider the West. As much as I respect Bacevich and admire his scholarship, his informed appraisal of our current foreign policy realities has turned out to be entirely incorrect. Yes, the United States should reign in the American empire. Yes, we should turn away from imperialist tendencies. Yes, we should focus our defense budget solely on defense, not aggression resisting the urge to try to remake the world in our own image for either altruism or advantage. But at the same time, we must be mindful, like other empires in the past, that retreat can create vacuums, and we must be ever vigilant of what kinds of powers may fill those vacuums. Because we can grow and evolve into a better nation, a better people, but that evolution may not be contagious to our adversaries, because getting out remains ever more difficult than going in. Finally, a word about the use of the term apocalypse, a characterization that is bandied about a bit too frequently these days. 2020 was a pretty bad year indeed, but it was hardly apocalyptic, not even close. Despite the twin horrors of Trump and the pandemic, we have had other years that were far worse. Think 1812 when the British burned Washington and sent the president fleeing for his life. And 1862, with tens of thousands already lying dead on Civil War battlefields as the Union Army suffered a series of reverses. And 1942, still in the throes of economic depression, with Germany and Japan lined up against us. And 1968, marked by riots and assassinations, when it truly seemed that the nation was unraveling from within. Going forward, climate change may certainly breed apocalypse. So might a cornered Putin equipped with an arsenal of nuclear weapons and diminishing options as Russian forces in the field teeter on collapse. But 2020 is already in the rearview mirror. It will no doubt leave a mark upon us, but as we move on, it spins ever faster into our past. At the same time, predicting the future, even when armed with the best data, is fraught with unanticipated obstacles, 
and grand strategies almost always lead to failure. It remains our duty to study our history while we engage with our present. Apocalyptic or not, it's all we've got. Thank you for joining me for today's podcast. I encourage you to share it in your network. Many more reviews on an eclectic array of fiction and nonfiction books are available at regarp.com and regarpbookblogpod.com. Have a great day.